Hello, this is Aaron Eckhart, and you are listening to Center Stage with Mark Gordon, the beautiful one and only Mark Gordon. Center Stage, Center Stage, Center, Center, Center Stage. Center Stage. Welcome to Center Stage. My name is Mark Gordon. On this show, we're going to talk with Brendan Christensen about his latest film, Z. It follows the story of a young boy who comes home from school with an imaginary friend. And that's when all hell breaks loose. Z is your second feature, yep. kind of a follow-up to, uh, to the first one, Stillborn. Yes, sir. Not a sequel, but just your, your second film. It's a spiritual successor, I would say. It deals with this very, you know, mother-parent trauma stuff. So it's definitely in the same vein. Why are kids always so creepy in horror films? And when when did that start? I mean, I guess we go back all the way to The Omen. I think so, yeah. I think Exorcist. it's just because it's the same reason clowns are scary, I think, because they're just like, you're, you're, they're not supposed to be, you know? So when you do put that sort of horror bent to something that is supposed to be cute and innocent, it takes on kind of a different life, um, which is, you know, really scary. It's that juxtaposition of, of uh, a normal thing and twisting it around, you know. Do clowns scare you? Uh, they did, because uh, I, I I was in kindergarten. Are we recording already? We are. Okay, cool. I was in kindergarten when uh, it came out on uh, you know the ABC miniseries, and for some reason my parents let me watch it with them, and uh, that I, I'm like no joke. I I can't overstate this enough, but it scarred my childhood until I was in the eighth grade when I finally saw it again. So. There was this eight-year period from kindergarten in 91 all the way till 98, 99, whenever that was, uh, that I watched it again where I would have like uh, recurring nightmares about uh, Pennywise. And it was always the same nightmare. It was like my brother and I had defeated it and hung it up in our closet. And so every night I would wake up and it would be, I mean, I wouldn't, I'd wake up in the dream and Pennywise would just be hanging on a hanger in my closet just waiting to get out and torment us again. And then it would, it would escape and it would start over. But it was like the same dream for eight years and it was so definitely clowns have had an effect on my childhood i live in this house in silver lake and the front door has a egg-shaped window mm-hmm. and i'll be working at night and i know that one night i'm going to look in this window and there's going to be a demonic clown just <laughs> staring at me see see that's how you write horror man you just take something that's normal in your life and you just you do that what if and it's like that what if is what's so scary you know i mean stillborn with the baby monitor that's a classic instance of what if like how many times was i in bed with my wife just looking at this monitor looking at the baby and then you have that thought like oh crap what if you know someone just reached in and grabbed this baby and then it's like boom you've got a horror movie idea so yeah i mean it's the write those things down because that's that you know it's if you're having those same thoughts someone else is too uh, some critics have compared it to the Babadook. Yeah, I think I, I think that's a totally fair comparison. Um, you know, the the Babadook uses depression as a metaphor for telling a story about a kid and you know a mom and just dealing with you know you're you're dealing with your own issues, but at the same time you have to deal with this child that relies on you. And so I think I think it's just a great place to start a story from because. As an audience, you immediately understand the stakes in place because you've got a child that, you know, is relying entirely on you. So I think I think, you know, having a parent child relationship kind of being the 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 catalyst or the the thrust of the story makes a lot of sense because everybody can understand that. Um, And I, I, you know, and the Babadook also deals with this creature that is born from a storybook 
And, uh, you know, we, we definitely talked about that a lot when we were writing it. And it's just, I, I don't think the films are that similar ultimately, but I think in concept stage, they definitely sound similar. Um, but yeah, I think, I, you know, I really enjoyed The Babadook. I think it's a super creepy, well-done film with great production design. And, uh, you know, that monster alone just is such an iconic thing that we knew that we, we definitely probably couldn't match the quality of that because you can see a silhouette of The Babadook and you know exactly what it is. It's just this terrifying theatrical creature thing with the, the hat and everything. So it was just, uh, we, we, we went the opposite direction with Z because... Um, you know, why we don't want to draw more comparisons and do something as flourished as that. Cause I mean, that set a pretty freaking high bar. And when we're a super, super, super low budget, um, you know, ultimately you end up with the tall, skinny, naked dude. I watched an interview you did, I think it was at a Telluride horror festival. And, um, you were talking about growing up and being afraid as a child. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of somewhat of a, I don't know if it was an inspiration for you, but it kind of blended into this character. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was in the third and fourth grade, I had just like crippling anxiety where I couldn't even go to school alone. Like I needed my parents to walk me to the classroom and stuff like that. And, um, I, I don't know what it was, but I had to go see a, a child therapist. Uh, and you know, the setup of that office space was very similar to the, the the office space that we set up in this film with Stephen McCaddy watching him. Like I, I would I would be playing some generic board game while he would kind of use that as a way to, you know, remove the pretenses of the conversation and just allow me to just sort of explore with him, uh, you know, what what was kind of going on. And so um, that 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 was a big part of the original concept of the film was just sort of putting some of my own experience as a child and having to go into that room. Um, that brown leathery room and just like, you know, try and talk and try and work through a problem that I didn't even really understand. And to this day, I still don't really understand it. It's just something that was there and then it wasn't, but I know it, you know, it was super challenging for my parents to go through that because, uh, they were the ones that had to deal with like the, uh, you know, my continual outbursts as a child, just like trying to go to school, trying to get me to do anything. I just wouldn't do it because there was this like weird base fear there. So it was, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was weird. It was just like a couple years that just things just didn't work right for me. And so I think when, you know, I think back to that, I'm like, wow, that's, that's super challenging as a parent to deal with something like that where you can't, there's no reasoning with it because you don't understand it. If the kid doesn't even understand it, then how do you reason with the kids? So I think when you're dealing with an imaginary friend, it's kind of the same thing. Like this isn't a real thing, but it's giving my, my son, uh, you know, it's a bad influence. So how, how are we supposed to deal with this if we can't even see it? So it's kind of a similar thing. Two years in production to make the film. And then when you actually shot it, it was just a couple of weeks. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting that process. Uh, was this one easier to make than Stillborn or was it more challenging? Um, this one was more challenging. It had a lot of, uh, things that di- weren't totally, um, movie related happening in my life at the time. So there was a lot of just sort of like emotional burdens kind of on my back throughout the production. Um, I won't talk about all of them, but there was, you know, my wife and I were going through a very hard time, uh, for a specific reason. And so that was, I'm shooting in a different country. She was there for the first two weeks of production, but then she left. And so the second, the last two weeks of production, I was sort of alone in in Canada while she was back home with the kids. And, 
so it's just sort of there was a lot weighing me down during it, so, which I didn't really have on Stillborn. Stillborn was different because I was uh, we were shooting the film at my parents' house, so there was like a comfortability there where I knew the ins and outs of everything. Um, my parents were super supportive on it, so there was there was a lot more ease there. I was living at the house, um, so I didn't you know there was no 45 minute drive to set every day. But, uh, you know, the, the most anxious part of Stillborn was just dealing with, like, my brother and his wife because it was their baby in the film. So when you need the baby to be there at, like, 3 a.m. on a Wednesday, um, that's the hard part there where you're just like, I'm sorry. You just, you know, we need the baby at this scene because it's a night scene and it's got to be nighttime and yada yada. So, I mean, they were totally, you know, game to, to do it, which was great. But um, that, that, so that was a lot easier. But on, like, uh, even on Z, I mean, there's the, the bathtub scene when we were shooting that we wrapped the scene and I walked out of the room and my, my, I was wearing an Apple watch and it buzzed and I looked at my watch and there was a picture that my dad had sent to me and the, my three siblings. And it was my grandpa who had just passed that like right then. And my dad was there. He got there shortly after and he took a photo of it and texted all of us just like his, you know, a photo of him dead. And it was just like, it was uh, the fourth day of production and I was already dealing with other stuff. And so that was kind of like a, a straw that broke the camel's back situation where it was just like this, you know, I kind of just like, ha I couldn't finish the day out. It was only like one scene left, but I, I just, you know, it was kind of devastated. And so it was just this weird situation where I had this photo of my grandpa and I actually used it in the film when uh, the mother dies. I was like, I used that picture and I was like, do this. And I had her mimic the photo. So it kind of, work to the film's benefit a little bit but you know like the day that we shot the fire scene which was the 10th day of production um we shot until 6 a.m and i had to go to the funeral at nine so i we shot from like 6 p.m to 6 a.m and then i had to go home sleep for 30 minutes and then get dressed and go to a funeral and it was just like it was just a it was a really grueling process and after that funeral and everything it kind of uh it kind of allowed things to open up a little bit um uh, you know emotionally and whatever mentally but uh, yeah, the first two weeks especially, because the first two weeks of the shoot were all overnight, so it was 6 p.m., 6 a.m., and it just, like, it messes with your mind. <laughs> so it's, uh, it was just, yeah, it was just a tough way to start a shoot, and just uh, other things affecting, you know, uh, where I was at in my headspace. So it was just, uh, you know, you try and just sort of put your head down and push through. It seems like the actual shoot mimics in the film because these things about this heavy weight, mm. you know, being in your head or being that sense of tension and stress and things being thrown at you that you possibly might not even understand. Does that in some ways, does it filter into the movie? Does it change the, the, the tenor of what you're doing? I'm sure it, it has to. I mean, you're you're so intimately involved in every aspect of the production when you're shooting that I would imagine that certain choices were made on the day because of sort of where my headspace was at, you know. I mean, if I've got 90% committed to the film and 10% committed to some other thing, um, I think it'd be impossible for that not to spill over a little bit. So I, I would imagine, I mean, and, and this deals with grief, it deals with tragedy, things like that. And so I think that... Um, those sequences i mean even just using the picture of my grandpa alone uh for that one scene it definitely you know i think it adds a personal touch to it that not everybody will know when they see it but when i see it like i know what what's that you know I, it gives it a deeper sense of meaning so I, I would be surprised if it didn't attach itself more like that i um 
I liked your uh, your video clips on Vimeo. Uh-huh. And what's interesting, because I was doing research on your film, and right. there's not a lot of written material, but it's all said through film. Mm-hmm. And you show us the, you know, making the train scene or right. interviews with uh, Jet, the young actor in your film. Mm-hmm. And I was so amazed at how many people that you had involved in the movie. Right. It's a... Uh, quite a production and it and it, it really reflects in the in the end product too because it it doesn't look like a an independent film right yeah it's it's pretty crazy i mean if you go onto the set for this or stillborn um they definitely had big crews and i mean what you 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 walk onto a million dollar film and then you walk onto something like z and you would you wouldn't really see many differences it's just more in the experience like a lot of the crew was very young and so they were kind of um, you know, they were up a position, which they might not normally be like the grip and a, a guy that might be a grip normally or something. He was the key grip on this or, uh, you know, similar things like that. So, um, it's definitely a younger crew that, um, that, that allowed us to hire so many people, but you know, Alberta's got a great film industry there and, uh, you know, it was great to be able to have that many people because, you know, there's so many pieces that go into making a film that it's good to have people to handle certain things. So as long as, you know, it's it's great to just have. And, and I had a lot of the people from Stillborn, like Brad, the DP, um, the producers were all the same. Uh, and so there was a lot of familiarity, even though it was, um, you know, a lot of other new crew members. Uh, what's the attraction with horror film? Um, I, when I was growing up, it was always kind of that thing when you, you get together with your friends and you have a sleepover and you're, you're looking for that, that scary movie that you can watch together and just sort of have that communal feeling of being scared. You know, there's like, you're, 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 you go to the, the video store, which don't exist anymore. And you ask the clerk like, Hey, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? And they give you some recommendation and you watch it hoping that you can get that kind of visceral feeling. Cause it's almost like a high, you know, it's like. There's this feeling that you get that from a horror film that I don't think that any other genre of film can 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 give you. I mean, you can laugh in a comedy, and I think comedy and horror are probably the closest to each other genre-wise. But um, there's just this gripping feeling that you can get when you're watching a, a truly scary film that um, I think it's 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 kind of like you're chasing it over and over again because as you become more accustomed to kind of the tropes and things of a horror film. Um, you're sort of searching for the next level and trying to push your boundaries a little bit. And when you're a kid, those boundaries are pretty small. You know, you're going from like the original Night of the Living Dead to something like The Shining or something like that. There's definitely a huge jump there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just kind of permeated through my life. Like my my old friends and stuff, we would uh, we would have sleepovers and we would just explore the neighborhood and wa- walk down dark alleyways and just talk about like, oh man, what if Michael Myers walked out right now? What would we do? You know, and you're kind of like building each other up to get each other scared because it's just, it's kind of, it, there's, there's, even though it's scary and it's kind of, uh, you know, makes you worried or whatever, there is something very fun about being scared. And so growing up, it was just something that you're always kind of chasing is just finding that feeling. Um, and then when I got, you know, older and I started making little things, uh, I started dabbling in, you know, short horror films and stuff like that, where you're taking, usually it's just a simple gimmick, like, uh, one sort of scare and you're building a short three to five minute piece around that one scare. Um, and it was a really fun and it just kind of led itself to, to make sense to, to, to do a horror feature. So when, you know, after I worked with Colin on his film, it stains the sands red, it became like, okay, let's do one with you now. Uh, what should we do? And just sort of having those conversations and trying to figure out what it should be. 
when I was growing up, there was a, uh, it was the Fox Theater in Redondo Beach. Mm-hmm. And uh, Friday nights, you could go for 59 cents. You could watch a Grindhouse movie or horror films. Nice. And it wasn't so much the movie, but it was just the event being right. there. For sure. And um, you, know, you had the cool kids that would smuggle beer into the movie <laughs> theater. And I was just a dorky little kid. But, um, you know, these movies like, uh, you know, it was like the incredible two-headed transplant and Mm -hmm. corpse grinders. Right. But it wasn't really that extreme. And when I, you know, I loved the old classic universal, like, you know, Dracula Mm -hmm. and Count Yorga vampire and things like that. But then when you flash forward, we started to get into the genre. It's a subgenre of uh, Mm -hmm. horror called torture porn. Right. And then you have films like uh, High Tension or Hostel. Mm-hmm. Eli Roth's film, mm-hmm. and uh, where it was just, it was just in your face. Um, right. Normally, be you know, people will hostile. You know, you have these girls that are, you know, imprisoned and tortured, or guys that all that stuff. And then you did a short called Torture Porn. <laughs> I did, yeah. Yeah, tell uh, me about that. So that was someone on. I can't remember where they even reached out to me, but they they it was kind of like a commission short film. They gave me like six hundred dollars. And uh, I, I kind of produced the whole thing, but it, it was just kind of fun because I was I was still kind of in this this place where I was doing a lot of corporate work back then, and so I was kind of doing a short film of any kind was kind of a vacation for me. Um, it was just like able to try new things and play around with stuff, and that that's kind of how I uh, got into like visual effects. Was I would write something that I could test uh, some sort of visual effect on. And I would build it around that and, you know, try and figure it out. And some of that stuff never made, you know, made it out to the public or anything. It was just for myself, but it was good practice. So, tor- yeah, torture porn um, was, uh, yeah, it was this weird little short thing. It was one location, super simple, two characters. And uh, I, I just was kind of grabbed by, it wasn't called that at the time. I, I think I came up with that title after I finished it because, it just made sense. Like it's like these two characters are making their own torture porn for their own. It's literally porn because they watch it for titillation. I guess they make they make these scenarios and then they watch it after, because um, people are into stuff like that. I guess. But uh, uh, yeah, it was it was fun. It was just fun to take something really short like that and just sort of put a lot of cinematic uh, effort into it to make it feel like something legit. And I think you know you learn things on that that lead to to other things that I did. And it just sort of, you know, it just builds your confidence in being able to take something and, and, and be like, okay, I know how to do that now because I've done it. And I think that's kind of the big benefit of short films is just being able to find what you're capable of and, uh, and how you're capable of doing it. Do you think uh, being an expert in visual effects has made you a better filmmaker? Because you have a lot of credits uh, with visual effects. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I mean, it was something that I kind of got thrust into because of uh, I didn't have any money. I did this pot, like this web series pilot called Black Ice in 2015, and uh, we shot it up in the mountains outside of Las Vegas, where in January it's normally very snowy. Red and, Rock uh, is that the Red Rock? No, it's uh, Mount Charleston. It's right. Called. Yeah, I used um, to li- I used to live in Vegas. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I'm there now. Uh, hopefully not for too much longer, but. It is very. It, yesterday it, it was like a hundred and high hundred and tens, and it was a nightmare. But uh, anyways, I, I, I shot this this thing, and we had actors coming in from L.A., so we couldn't delay it because all the snow melted right before we shot, and so we shot this thing that's supposed to take place during like kind of a blizzard, 
and uh, there was no snow. So the blizzard was a character. It wasn't just like eye candy. So I had to learn how to do all this stuff just for this thing. It took me like eight months to do a 10-minute piece. And it wasn't like eight months off and on. It was a lot of work during those eight months. Like I, I did less shots on that than I did on Stillborn or Z or any of these other films I've done. But that was way harder and more work because I didn't know what I was doing. So I was kind of learning as I went. But um, what it taught me was just sort of when, when you're on set, you understand that there's more that you can do than what you currently have in front of you. You know, you can look at a frame and you can say, okay, well, this is what we have. Uh, it's good enough. Whereas, I, you know, I can, I'm not saying I'm a super expert or anything like that, but it is an extra tool where I can go like, okay, I can fix that. I can make that look a little better. Like if the, a prop isn't working good in the background or something, I know I can at least fix it or paint it out or whatever I need to do to help the story a little bit more, if it will. Um, and it even helps in the uh, the editorial process. Like even some of these jobs that I'll do, I'll talk to the director one-on-one uh, -on -one about the VFX and sort of why it's a VFX, or I can suggest certain things for other shots that they might not even think about because um, it is kind of a special part of your brain that you can tap into where you can kind of manipulate things for a specific purpose. Because, I mean, I'm, I try not to do the showy special effects. The fire stuff in Z is the most showy thing I've ever done, and, you know, it's kind of hit or miss in certain shots. But... Um, for the most part, it's more just about removing things that might be distracting or adding things that you need for the story, like the, uh, the charcoal drawing on the wall. Um, you know, that's a visual effect. We had a charcoal drawing, but we couldn't put it on the wall. So you have to composite it into the scene just, you know, for effect. And so it works, you know, that kind of stuff is super important to be able to do. Um, but yeah, it kind of takes some of the burden off of some of the other departments, like the production design, if you're able to 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 you know give them any assist that you can especially on a low budget film where you just don't have the money to pay for stuff like that um i think it's a you know it's super helpful once again back to your demo reel on um vimeo you show samples of your your visual effects work mm -hmm. and it's, it's it's awesome i mean because after effects you know i've seen that you know the fire and it just mm -hmm. looks fake right <laughs> but but your stuff is just, it's seamless. I mean, at one point I'm watching, I'm going, wait a minute, what is the, oh, I see, you took out the, the freeways. Mm -hmm. These guys are in a car, and I'm going, what is the visual effect there? It was just wiping out that, uh, the right, cars that, that were, were passing by. That was a brutal one. That was on uh, Joe Be Begas' movie, uh, VFW, which came out this year. He, it's supposed to be kind of like an apocalyptic time of, uh, you know, time and, uh, this VFW is supposed to be in the middle of nowhere. And when they shot this film, there was just, you know, a highway behind them with just cars, cars, cars. And it, it took away from the whole vibe of it being, you know, an a post-apocalyptic setting. So they're like, we need to remove these cars. And it was one of those jobs where it's like, I don't know if I can do this. And it was, that was probably the single most hardest VFX shot I've ever done. And there was three shots there. I did two of them and I had, to, I used the money that I got paid for that film to hire a company in India to do the other shot because I just couldn't do it. So it was, uh, I, the, the one that's on the demo reel is the one I did. And then the one that is in the film, like it's a, it's a much longer, it's like a two minute shot of removing cars. Um, yeah, I paid my rate to some company in India that we worked with on what keeps you alive and uh, they did a great job, but it sucked because I spent, I probably spent 30 or 40 hours just on that one shot. And then I abandoned my work because I couldn't do it. It was just, hitting my head against a wall over and over and it just never worked so it was super stressful but it got done which is all that matters sometimes um i'll spend hours editing these interviews 
Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine goes, why, why do you spend so much time? Just, just play it. I go, because I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to sound a certain way. Right. And, you know, it's, it's part of your thing, but that yeah. you did a great job. Well, led somebody else to do a great job. <laughs> um, what did you learn about yourself and making uh, Z? Um, I think I, I just, I mean, I think anytime you do a project, it's sort of a confidence builder that you can do it. You know, it's, it's very daunting to take on any sort of project like this where you're, you're writing and you're directing and you're putting something out there to people for people to sort of watch and critique. And so it's, um, you know, there's just sort of a, a confidence that you get from doing it over and over. And I think that's where short films help too, is it, it gives you this uh, ability to create something and get it out in the world. And, and YouTube's so great because, you know, everything's kind of just like, if you make something bad, it's there and gone in an instant. Um, and if you make something good, maybe it gets some traction, but, uh, it's just, you know, sort of blocking out the negatives and just sort of focusing on the positives and, and, and having that confidence in yourself that it's like, I, you know, it's not like you're giving yourself any importance over anybody else, but it's just, you have the confidence that you can, you can grab the, the reins on something like this and sort of push it through to the end. That was really, you know, on Z, like on Stillborn, I edited half the film, Colin edited the other half. I did most of the VFX. Um, and, and then on this, I did all of the editing and I also did the VFX for all of it. And so it was, you know, there's, there's definitely a satisfaction that you get when you put so much time and energy into something like this. And it, you know, and, and at the end of the day, you've got this film that is out and it's done and it's, people are able to see it and, you know, whether or not people like it or not, it doesn't really matter at that point because you're proud of the accomplishment of just being able to get it done. So just having the, the, the confidence to get something done like that is, uh, you know, it's super fulfilling and it's kind of like going back to when I was a kid and you're trying to catch the, the next scare. So you can, it's that high. There's also a high and just like the, uh, the, the feeling of com- accomplishment that you got these people together and you made something that people are now, you know, it's become part of the lexicon of the horror, you know, community. People talk about it now. So it's, that's, that's really cool. So many people out there want to make films or write books or do music and, mm-hmm they're afraid. They're afraid to put themselves out there. For sure. What do you do to move through that fear to get the project done? Uh, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just, I mean, it's always scary to do it. Um, you know, the first short films that I ever did, it's, it was one of those things that I, I didn't do my first short film until I was 22 I think I always had ideas I would write scripts I would come up with shot lists I would spend all this time on these pre-production aspects but I would never pull the trigger on doing it because there's that you know base fear you're just like I don't want someone to look at this and be like why are you doing this this is stupid so it's just getting over that excuse me it's getting over that and just trying to figure out um it's just like understanding that people want to people want to work in this stuff it's fun it's not it's not always like a chore to to be involved in something like this um the process of making something is sometimes more rewarding than the actual product itself too so i mean i think the biggest thing is just like you have to decide whether or not you want to just talk about it or if you want to do it and i mean we live in a time where you can get a computer and you can write a book you know you can just get a book and or start writing and stuff like that um, you can get a camera, you can get your phone and the quality is so good that it's better than like cinema cameras were 15 years ago. So it's, um, the barometer of entry is just so low that 
I, I totally understand and appreciate the feeling of just being like, I want to do this, but not doing it because, you know, life gets in the way. You've got a job, you've got all these things. There is definitely a risk factor when you want to sort of put yourself out there and do that. Um, you, you, there's like a leap of faith that you need to take and it, you know, there's probably going to be some financial hardships that you go through because, you know, you might take something like a comfortable job or something like that and you need to extend yourself further than you, you thought you, you would be capable of. But I mean, I think that's what art is, is it's putting yourself in an uncomfortable position so that you can tell your story, you can do whatever you want, you know, you know, do what if you, if you want to do it, there's, there's really no reason not to other than yourself and, and getting over that. Uh, psychologically is super challenging and it's just something that with time and uh, you know and practice that you get better at overcoming because like you know when when Z came out I was still terrified of reviews you're always the release day comes and you're just like I'm not gonna look at reviews I'm not gonna look at reviews and then someone sends you one you're like oh wow it's positive oh wow they actually enjoyed it and then you start looking into more and you're like oh, okay it's not a total bomb because you know when you watch your own you're always your own worst critic and so I see things differently than other people do that don't have, they can't see around the frame, you know, that they, they don't know what went into this thing. They just see what's there. They don't see that. Like when we shot this one scene, something was so bad or so screwed up at the time, they just see what we're presenting them. And that's, um, you know, so it's, it's just, it's, it's always hard to, to, to be, to get your work out there and, and let people react to it because it is, um, it's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, uh, when you feel vulnerable, it's very vulnerable to just like be in that position where like everyone can focus on you and be like, this sucks or this is good. And I've gone to the point now where I would prefer someone hate something than just go like, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's like, yeah, that was a thing that exists. Cause it's like, it's like, what? I put two hours of my life in this. <laughs> at least hate it. <laughs> Don't just shrug it, just shrug it off and just walk away. I want you to at least evoke some sort of feeling. Cause otherwise it's just like, ugh, what a waste. <laughs> so yeah it's it's tough i mean you just it's just working through it like anything it's like practice just shoot write try it what's the worst thing that can happen or the best thing you won totally. a bunch of, you won a bunch of awards uh what's a bloody um that was at the blood in the snow canadian film festival i guess i've got this weird filter on my thing there um it's just it's it was a what happened i've got ah hold on I've got these. They're just like uh, awards that they gave out. This was the best director one. Blood in the Snow Canadian Film Festival. Mm -hmm. It was a festival in Toronto that we won best film and best director on. But it's cool. I mean, that's just, you know, it's it's a very validating feeling when you can get selected out of a crowd for for some sort of award like that. It's uh, it's pretty amazing to, uh, you know, just to to be singled out like that. That's, that's the best case scenario for sure. Yeah. Calgary, <laughs> you won audience award, uh, nightmares film festival. You won awards there. Yeah, it did. It did really well, which was surprising. Cause you never know. I mean, it's, it's always tough to tell, you know, you get feedback from people where they're like, yeah, it was, it was okay. I like stillborn better, but it's fine. And then you just kind of get down on yourself. And then all of a sudden you, you know, you get into a few festivals where people appreciate it and suddenly you, you get more of that confidence in yourself and you're just like, okay, you know what? This is, this is okay. It's not, it doesn't have to be what stillborn was. It's its own thing. And that's a good thing. And you're trying to kind of get over that mental hurdle of what, you know, figuring out exactly what the thing is. Now I need to let everyone know that uh, it's going to be available on uh, VOD, digital HD and DVD Blu-ray 
on September 1st, 2020. I think the VOD is September 1st, and the Blu-ray is on September 14th. Oh, okay. I, that's what I look... I, I'm 90% sure. I just found that out yesterday. And it's on this... Uh, AMC Networks has a, a channel called Shudder. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's like a streaming platform like Netflix, but it only focuses on horror. Um, they've kind of become like a big uh, uh, place for horror films to live and thrive. Um, Stillborn came out originally in like a 10 theater release and then it came out on VOD and and I think it was just kind of it came and went but then Shutter got uh, the streaming rights to it and three months later it came out and they really kind of pushed it out there and, and it, it became kind of that's where people know the film from now it's it's a Shutter film you know so I, I think they do a great job of curating their movies and finding you know movies that uh, people don't normally see and they put them on their service for you know the fans of horror that are that are far reaching they're all over the place and they like very various thing of uh, varied parts of the genre so um yeah shutter's been awesome they're they're a ton of fun to work with i love the people over there um you know ho hopefully i can continue working with them because uh they've done a great job with the films that i've worked on it's uh, a little bit uh, unfortunate that your film is coming out right in the middle of the COVID 19. i i actually don't know if that's true because i think people are i mean especially when it came out, it came back uh, in May uh, on Shudder. I think people were just so bored. You know, they, they were all at home. Everyone was told to stay home and just sort of be, you know, quarantine and everything. And so I think a lot of people were, were just looking for the next thing to watch. You know, like Netflix was probably crushing it because they were just continually putting out new stuff so people had something to do. So I think that we had a very captive audience, which allowed a lot more people to check it out because they had the time. You know, when you have nothing to do, uh, why not check out the new stuff that's coming out like almost daily it seems there's something new coming so I don't know I mean it's it's possible that it uh, it's hard to say like uh, how it would have done if there was no pandemic going on but um, I definitely don't think it hurt it I think people were just they were just a willing you know they were like they were ready for anything and so they, they might give give things a try that they might not normally how has the how has the pandemic impacted you as an artist well, uh, initially when it started, it was, uh, there was just like a month of just no activity, you know, it's just, you kind of get sunk into the, the, the endless news cycle and you, and that whole like fear of the unknown and all that stuff. And eventually, um, when you realize like, okay, this is going to go for a while. Um, I, I wrote a few short films to shoot at home while I was in quarantine with my kids. So I was able to film a couple shorts called Scaredy Cats um, with my kids. And they were really fun, just like a minute, two minute things that I was able to just sort of flex some creative muscle and put out on YouTube. And um, that and it was just fun to work with my own kids for once. But uh, uh, I, I did write another feature uh, at the beginning of it was before quarantine and we were supposed to shoot it in May. And then that got pushed back because of everything. So now we're shooting it in October. And, uh, you know, it's just luckily I've been able to work on some visual effects for films and stuff like that. So I've never really had any down periods other than that initial whenever that was like late February, March, where things just like kind of ground to a halt. But uh, ever since then, it's been, you know, I've been able to get use whatever outlets I have to, to sort of stay creatively fulfilled. What would you like an audience to go away with after they see Z? Uh, I mean, I, 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 hopefully they can sort of see past the, the thin veneer of a child and an imaginary friend that it kind of 
promise itself to be and they're able to find that there is a little bit more depth to you know the relationships and some of the themes that are presented like uh you know just losing that childhood part of yourself uh you know confronting past demons and not not just locking them away and hiding from them um you know how you deal with tragedy in your life like if something bad happens sort of the strength that you can get out of nowhere um that you don't expect you to be able to have and just being able to um you know either confront the problem or just sort of take a responsibility that you didn't expect you'd be able to take you know i think i think the sister character in z really exhibits that is just how she's able to um where she goes her arc of the film of starting as someone that is totally uh distant from her family to being kind of the only the central pillar that's holding the family together at the end um you know i think that's a really important theme just in life in general because everyone's going to go through stuff you know everyone's going to have things that they deal with and um, depending, you know, you, you just have to handle it or you don't. And it's kind of like a sink or swim moment that I think a lot of people do find that they're able to come out of an experience like that with more strength that they thought that they would ever have. So I think that's definitely something that will resonate with people that have experienced something like that. Once again, it, it's almost, uh, the way you describe that, it's really what we're going through now. Mm-hmm. We're forced to deal with challenges Mm -hmm. uh, that like in my lifetime I've never dealt with anything like this people getting sick people I know dying and and how we come out of this at the end Mm -hmm. yeah well thank you so much for uh for taking time to talk about your film z and best of luck thank you and uh keep us posted on your future projects just a reminder you can watch z streaming on shutter.com Until next time, this is Mark Gordon, and I'll see you center stage. Center stage, center stage, center, center, center stage. Center stage. Hello, this is Homer Simpson. Whenever I want to know what's going on in the entertainment world, I listen to Center Stage with Mark Gordon.